And I wonder if we could maybe just stand to our feet for just the, the opening scripture this morning. Just stand to our feet. And uh, Kudz, if you could just keep working with that, yeah. Just let's stand to our feet. We're going to read from Romans chapter 12 this morning. I'll read it first. And then I'm going to ask you all to read it this morning, okay? And so let's, let's go. Romans 12 verse 11 says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Your turn. Serving the Lord. Okay, that was, uh, that had no zeal. <laughs> so let's, let's see some zeal this morning as we read that scripture. Alright, let's go again. Ro- let's start with, by saying Romans 12, 11 says. Okay. 12, 11 says. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you like about a 5 out of 10 for that one. Okay, so let's try it again. Romans 12, 11. Go. Romans. One more time. Let's go. Romans. Never. But keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Now turn to the person next to you. Don't look at the screen and quote Romans 12, 11 to them. Okay. Tell them what it says. Okay. Now turn to the other person on the other side of you and tell them what Romans 12, 11 says. Some of you all are preaching now. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, give yourselves a hand and take your seats. All right, we're warmed up this morning. Zeal, that word is a powerful word. It's all, we see this word coming up in scripture. We see it all over the place. And, and the Bible is admonishing us this morning to never be lacking in zeal. What an interesting admonition this morning. Never to be lacking in zeal. I mean, the question that comes to my mind first is, well, why? Why should I never be lacking in zeal? That's the first thing. And then secondly, well, is that even possible that I could never be lacking in zeal? Because how many of you know life is a bit of a roller coaster? Well, we're going to look at that, the answers to those questions in a moment. But look at that word zeal in the Greek. It's, it's, it's the word spude, and it means this. It means to be earnest, to be diligent, to be radical. Can you say radical? radical. To be enthusiastic and uncompromising. What a powerful word. Zeal, to be diligent. Uh, enthusiastic, radical. Is that a description this morning of your faith in Jesus? Is your faith in Jesus diligent? Is it radical? Is it enthusiastic? Is it uncompromising? The Bible is admonishing us never to be lacking, never to have a faith that doesn't look like that in Jesus Christ. The Greek word in fervor there is the, is, is zeo, and it means to be hot or to boil over like a pot boiling with water, or to glow, kind of like metal in a fireplace where if you leave it there long enough, it eventually starts to heat up and glow. And that's what fervor is. It talks about be glowing. And so the command, never be lacking a zeal, but keep your spiritual glow. That's what he's saying, serving the Lord. Keep your spiritual heat serving the Lord. If he was talking colloquial English to us today, he might say, keep your peak spiritual fitness serving the Lord. Spiritual fitness is probably a good description of what spiritual fervor is. To be spiritually fit is something to be desired, is something to be pursued according to the scripture. 
That we should be in our peak spiritual condition always. Do you know when athletes are tra- training for like the Olympics or some big Ironman or something like that, what they do is they, they tra- time their training so that they peak because your body builds up and it peaks at a particular moment and they try and train in such a way that they peak just before the major event. So that at the event, they are at their optimum, that they are going at their full strength, that their body is fully ready, fully trained, everything in them is at their utmost. And so the scripture is saying to us this morning is that's what we must keep. We must keep our spiritual peak in serving the Lord. We must stay spiritually fit so that we are fully ready for the Lord. Never lacking in zeal. Spiritual fitness has incredible benefits. Incredible benefits when we are spiritually fit. It's wonderful when we are physically fit too. How many, okay, I'm not going to ask hands this morning. (laughs) Maybe some of you all know that when you are, are physically fit, man, you have energy for life. It is incredible how you just, you have energy for life and you're, you're able to do so much more than what stress doesn't hit you as hard, etc. When you are spiritually fit, the gifts of the Spirit, the voice of God, the leading of the Lord, the knowing of His will, oh, it's like you can walk in that thing. Spiritual fit, that's why the, body, the, the Bible says that it's, it's profits to, physical fitness profits some, but godliness or spiritual fitness profits in everything. It's way more valuable to be spiritually fit. It's something that we should pursue and seek after. And I want you to notice that the scripture is telling us that there is a link here. It's it's showing us that never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fitness serving the Lord. Keep your spiritual peak. What it's saying is that he might have written it like this. Never be lacking in zeal, so keep spiritually fit. Spiritual fitness produces zeal. Spiritual fitness makes you radical for Jesus. Spiritual fitness is what makes you enthusiastic, uncompromising. When stuff, temptation comes your way, you just, you smash it out the way, you walk all over it. The plans of the enemy, you see right through it. You, because you're spiritually fit, you're full of zeal. You have this thing, you have enthusiasm for the Lord. So what we learn, we're learning from the scriptures, if we get spiritual fitness, we get this thing, zeal. But the question still remains, well, what about, why zeal? You know, what's, what's so important about zeal? What is the deal with zeal? Turn to somebody and say, what's the deal with zeal? <laughs> so if you're looking for a title for the sermon this morning, <laughs> we just discovered it together. <laughs> What is the deal with zeal? Wow. Let's explore that. Father, as we explore that, I pray that we would see it for what it is this morning. I pray that there would be a transference this morning, Father. Lord, I ask that in this place, Lord, our zeal would go to new levels for you. Lord, I pray this morning for a transference as we as the word goes out, Lord, that it would penetrate our, our darkness and all our, Lord, all our stuff and, and Lord, all our deception. May the lights come on and may we see what it means to serve you with spiritual fervor this morning. I pray for an enabling in the word this morning. Oh, strengthen my body this morning, Lord. Oh, strengthen me for this moment, I pray, Father. Holy Spirit, we rely on you and we love you. And come, come fill this place with all the goodness of the Father this morning. Let every gift of your Spirit manifest in this place. We desire them. Amen. So what is the deal with zeal? Well, over and over in the Bible, what we see is intensity matters. Can you say that? Intensity matters. It's important. Zeal matters. Wholeheartedness. I mean, there's a lot of words that we could put in there. Wholeheartedness, diligence, enthusiasm, every, you, all of them. We, zeal, we see this. It really matters to God. It's important to God. 
Throughout scripture, he puts value on it. He's looking for it from us. In fact, what we also notice is that anything else is actually detestable to God. Anything lower than that is almost an insult to Him. How many of you know the great commandment? Come on. What is the first and greatest commandment that came and asked Jesus? And what did He say the greatest commandment was? With all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind. With all of your mind and with all of your strength. There it is over there. Let's read it together. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind. All, all, all. I want it all. I want everything. All, everything. All your mind, all your heart. He's just describing every part of us so that we can, so that there's nothing to leave out. Like, oh, Jesus, I could just give you my, or just my, no, he wants the all. He wants everything to serve the Lord with all your heart. In fact, the, this is the first and greatest commandment. This is like the first and most important thing to do in life. It's to love God with everything. In fact, so the first command is what? Be zealous for me. Be passionate for me. Let me be your all. Have your all in me. That's the first and greatest command. In Jeremiah 29, 13, he says, If you seek for me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. If you seek with me, seek me with all your heart. Half-hearted seeking doesn't get him. Doesn't reach him. It's like, you ain't going to find me if you're coming with that lazy attitude. If actually all you want to be doing is something else right now, just I can tell you now, there's not, you're wasting your own time. Because I want all your heart. I want everything that you have. I will not play second fiddle to any other delight or desire or passion in your life. Seek for me with all your heart and then you'll find me, says the Lord. He demands it from us. He wants it from us. In Revelation 3.15, Jesus tells us these, these horrible words of warning. And he says to me, he says to us, he says, Oh, you're, I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spew you from my mouth. So lukewarmness is something that is detestable to him. He doesn't want it. Half-hearted seeking, half-hearted giving, half-hearted praying, half-hearted worshiping, half-hearted church attendance, half-hearted Bible half-hearted... I don't want that. Rather be cold. Because that's where you should be, you know? But I would that you were hot. I want you to. I want to just go show you two just passages, interesting passages from the Old Testament. The first one is in Numbers twenty-five. Numbers twenty-five, and and then we'll go to if we have time, Second Kings. Otherwise, we'll, I'll just kind of paraphrase the stories for you. But I want you to notice in these in these examples just the the deal with zeal, the importance of zeal. So Numbers twenty-five. From verse 10 to 11, including 13, reads the following. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, has turned back my wrath from the children of Israel because he was zealous with my zeal among them, so that I did not consume the children of Israel, in my zeal. And it shall be to him and his descendants after him a covenant of everlasting priesthood because he was zealous for his God and thereby made atonement for the children of Israel. This example is incredible. For a number of reasons. I'll just tell you the context of the story is this, is that the Israelites were camped at a particular pl place near Midian, and all the Midianite women were coming and tempting the, the men of Israel into sexual immorality and into Baal worship. So they were coming, and they were tempting and bringing the men, and the men were getting taken with this thing. And so there was, there was this like idolatry and immorality that was coming into Israel, and it, and it was affecting so many people 
and the wrath of God, the zeal of God was coming upon the children of Israel. But there was this one guy, Phineas, or Pinehas, or however you want to say it, okay? And he did not succumb to the temptations. He was radical. He remained enthusiastic and zealous for God. And he put a stop to this thing in a radical way. In a radical way, he put a stop to this thing. He said no to this thing. And God looks down from heaven and says, that guy, that guy, he's got what I've got. He is zealous for me. He is passionate for me. And I want you to notice something here. Is that then God says this. He says, and I am going to bless him as a result. I'm going to make a covenant of everlasting priesthood with him and his children and his children's children. Phineas stepped into a generational priesthood that was a generational blessing that was passed on to his children because he was radical, fervent, enthusiastic, zealous for his God. Zeal for God resulted in a generational blessing coming on his family. God was basically saying, you're going to be my priest, man. And your children, and your children's children, and your children's children's children, that I'm, I'm establishing something with you. You know, people, when you come and you're enthusiastic for God, when you come and you worship Him with all your strength, when you're enthusiastic for obeying Him in the marketplace, in your business, and when you're enthusiastic for, for the things that are important, the commands that He has given, you are setting up a generational blessing on your home. You are attracting the favor and the blessing of God on your life. God is looking on you, and some of you are just being rewarded right now for that. It's happening right now, this morning. There's gifts being poured out on you. Gifts being poured out. God's rewarding some of you this morning for your radicalness. and It's setting your generations up for blessing because you are like, I'm going to serve God. I don't care what they do. I don't care what, I'm not going to look to the left, I'm to the right, I'm going to serve. Everybody else is doing that. I'm going to, I am. In the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation, I am. I am. No matter what, everyone's saying this and that, I am serving the Lord as for me and my house. And God looks down and he says, that's, that's my child. That's my one. That's what I'm looking for. And the result is blessing upon blessing coming on you and the generations after you. Because you're hungry when you read that Bible. Because you're passionate when you're seeking Him. Because your delight is in Him. Man, He loves it. He absolutely loves it. Something else in this passage I want you to notice. It wasn't just a blessing on Him. It was a blessing that came to the nation. The nation was saved because of one man's zeal for God. The nation was spared. You know, remember Abraham was asking the Lord, would you destroy your city if there were ten righteous people? Oh Lord, you know, forgive me for asking, but would you destroy the city if there were five righteous people? And he gets all the way down to one. God says, no, for, even if there was one, I wouldn't. God's true to his word. Even if there's one. I don't know, people. I want you to get this. Us coming together collectively and our passion for, for worshiping Him, for seeking Him, for prayer, for our compassion ministries, for our youth, for our kids, our passion for Him results on a blessing for the city. God spares that out there. And he won't allow that, the economy out there to collapse. And he won't allow the city to fall in the hands of the wicked. And he won't allow it to fall in the hands of thugs and, and, and gangsters. And he won't allow that. Why? Because of our zeal right here. Our passion in this place affects the city. I want you to know that this morning. So we, so this is, this is some of the reward we see of being zealous for God. In fact, I could go through example after example this morning of, of how God rewards zeal. Caleb and Joshua were the only two who were zealous for God and said, we can take this land. And they were the only two from their generation that entered into the promise. Zeal 
pave the way for them to enter into the promise of God and not wander around the wilderness forever and die in the wilderness. You're in the wilderness this morning. You're in a dry place. I want you to know zeal. Zeal for the Lord will pull you out of that place and put you in the promises of God. Setting your passion and your hope and your desire on the Lord can catapult you out of that place and into the promise of God. That's how much God loves zeal. David, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the army of the living God? Man, zeal when everybody else doesn't have anything. God promotes him to king. God promotes and makes covenant with him. Says, says your descendants and, and makes this deal with, with David, this blessing with David. Why? Because he was dancing before the Lord with all his mind. He was passionate about the purpose of God in his generation. Zeal is attractive to the Lord. Hebrews 10.35 says this. Don't fling away your fearless confidence, your zeal, for it carries a great and glorious compensation of reward. Don't throw it away. Fling it away. You know what's interesting? If it's telling us don't, it means there's a reason like sometimes we... It means that we, we do, right? <laughs> it means that we do do that. Why, why do we do that? You know, we live in a world where you are allowed to be passionate about your sports team, where you're allowed to be passionate about politics or food or parties or running or gaming or books or biking or whatever. You're, you're allowed and the world will celebrate you. But when you're so passionate for God, people look at you like there's something wrong with you, man. Now you're a fundamentalist. Now you're crazy. Now you're a weirdo because you're dancing before the Lord with all your might. And because you're bringing up Jesus and you're standing up for the name of Jesus. Now you're just like, you're, you're, you're like, you know, you're, you're just detestable to this world. It's like the world doesn't like you to be about that. And it's so easy. And sometimes it's like that in the church, you know. When are we a papa? Settle down. You know what I mean? Come, take it just too much. Too much, brah. That means be quiet, church. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like the, the, there's, there's, there's like a resistance in the world and sometimes even in the church to passion and zeal for God. There's a resistance to it to the point where sometimes we can just, we can go, hey, hey, hey maybe I shouldn't have this thing. Maybe I, I should just, maybe I just, you know, just keep it, keep it down a little. You know, talk about my excitement in other things. Not the fact that God really spoke to me this morning. Yeah, let's rather talk about the other thing. Because I don't want to be the weirdo. I don't want to, you know, my, my feel it. Throw away your zeal. We can so easily throw it away. We can so easily just let go of it. Because we live in a world that doesn't celebrate it, that doesn't want it, that doesn't need it. But you know what? This world is so different to that world. <laughs> That world looks down and celebrates our zeal, delights in it. And can I tell you how much? Look at Chronicles 16.9. It says, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He's looking to and fro throughout the whole world to show himself strong on those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Fully committed to Him. He looks for it. He's looking for your zeal this morning. Where is your zeal? Where is your enthusiasm for the things of God? Where is your passion for His name and for His fame and for His glory? On a scale of like 1 to 10, where would it be this morning? Rate yourself quietly. <laughs> your passion for His name. What other competing passions do you have in your life? Maybe you're just really passionate about a particular hobby right now, or your work right now, or you're something right now. And that's okay. It's good to be passionate about the things that God has given us. But there must be a number one spot that's reserved with His name only. There must be a number one place 
Don't fling away that zeal for the Lord. There's another example. The second example I want to show you this morning was in 2 Kings 16. We won't read it for the sake of time. But in this example, Israel is once again under attack. And the king Joash comes to Elisha, who's actually on his deathbed at that moment. He's, he's ill. And he says, help. Help us. We, you know, we're under attack. And Elisha asks him to take a quiver of arrows, and to take an arrow and to strike at the ground. And so Joash, as it was a prophetic action that he was asking. And so Joash takes an arrow and he, he strikes the ground three times. One, two, three. And Elisha looks at him and he's angry. And he says, why did you do it only three times? You should have done it six or seven times because then you would have completely eradicated the Syrians. Now you're going to only beat them three times. It required double for you to completely wipe them out and they'll never ever bother you again. He's angry at him. And what what we learn from this example is once again, is zeal in spiritual things matters in the world around us, in the battles of life. There are some battles in life that require us to be super zealous in our worship for God. Some battles that we face where, man, just a little bit of zeal ain't going to cut it. Then that this thing is going to keep coming and knocking on your door. <laughs> it's going to keep coming and knocking on your door. It's going to keep... In order to wipe that thing out, man, you've got to throw yourself into the Lord. Some of you are struggling with particular habitual sins. I want you to know that you can, be, you can be tempted to go and try and solve the sin problem. I want to say, just, just forget about that for a moment. Rather solve the zeal problem. Rather solve that problem. Because zeal burns. It burns up all the dross, all the rubbish in your life. You set your goal. Is, don't set your goal, I'm not going to sin this week. <laughs> Diary entry. (laughs) Set your goal as I'm going to go all out for you this week, Lord. I'm going to put all my passion in you. I'm going to go, because it's not a sin problem, it's a zeal problem. And when you go all out for Him, man, and you pursue Him, and you worship Him, and 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 you do, you go for God, man, everything else burns up. It's just you look around, and that army, that enemy, that temptation, that hook of the enemy... That thing that was oppressing you, it's just, it's, it can't stay on you. You know, like, kind of like when you, you, you spin a fan, if the fan was covered in mud, and you started to rotate that fan, what happens to the mud? It just <sighs> spreads it out, you know? And eventually the fan is clean. All right? That's, as you turn up your intensity for God, as you turn up your pursuit for God, as you turn up your seeking for God, everything that is not of you, everything that is impure and unholy and detestable and not of the Lord and not right, and it just starts to spin out of your life. It cannot stay in the hot, burning zeal of God. It cannot. Amen. Come on, say praise the Lord. Zeal matters. How your intensity to the things of God affects the victory that you experience in your life. Your intensity in prayer matters. Your joy in giving matters. It matters. You know, sometimes we get into this confusion and we think that Christianity is this inward journey. This inward thing. This... It's all in my heart and never in my actions or out of my lips. But the Bible says you believe with the heart and you confess with the lips unto salvation. You know, whatever's in needs to come out in order for it to be authenticated and real. Alright, so this, this journey of faith that we're on is not an inward thing. Like somehow we think we can, we can sing a, a song and say, you know, we bow down before, you know, and we never bow down. But now, Lord, I'm bowing in my heart. 
No, no, no. It requires, sometimes it requires you to get on your knees, this thing called faith. Sometimes it requires you to step out and actually do, oh, but Lord, you know how much I want to give. And you know everything is yours. Well, really, go do it. Prove it. <laughs> it's not just this inward journey. You know, there's some sort of a physical action, an outward expression authenticates what is on the inside. You know, Moses had to keep his hands raised over that battle in order for victory to happen. When his hands lowered down, they got tired, they started losing the battle. This faith requires an outward expression. It requires, you can't just say, oh Lord, we sing for joy this morning, we praise your name, hallelujah. Do you know what hallelujah means? It means 10,000 upon 10,000 praises unto God. Well, maybe you just, you know, we need to remind our face that actually you're praising Him. <laughs> that there really is a, that this really is actually a praise. Oh, He knows my heart. No. No, you know what's in your heart is pride. What's in your heart is the fear of man. You don't want to be a weirdo. You don't want to be embarrassed. What's in your heart is fear. You don't want to give too much. Oh, Lord, everything is yours. Really? So give like it hurts them. Give sacrificially. Show it. Show your faith without works is? It's dead, no? It's dead. Don't deceive yourself and think that it's like because it's in here and it's just the thoughts. And if I was really pushed, I would do it. And God doesn't really need to see the outward thing. Uh-uh. He needs to see that. He wants to see you. Oh, Lord, I, I, I'll go to the nations for you. Start with your neighbor. Start with your neighbor. You know? Sing it in worship. We, we sing it in worship. If it's just... If we disconnect the practical from, from the theoretical... We're not living it. We're talking the talk, but we're not walking the walk, people. And we're in a dangerous place. When we text people and say, I'll pray for you. Pray for them. Don't just go in your heart, okay, you know, I'm, you know I'll get there. And, and you know, Lord, I would pray. And you can see how sincere I am about that. No, get on your knees. Cry out. Give, take 10 minutes and pray for them. Don't disconnect the practical from the theoretical, from the theology, from what we know is right. That's what the Pharisees did. They had disconnected. They weren't living what they were preaching, what they were talking, what they knew to be right. Go and do. Go and do what you know is right. Go and buy that thing. Go and sell that thing. Go and encourage that person. Go and do what Jesus has commanded us to do. Make disciples. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. He knows that I know and we know. Together we have this thing and I'll get there, Lord. Don't deceive yourself. Don't deceive. I, I really, I don't, you know. <laughs> okay, you got it. Amen. Amen. But we still haven't answered the question this morning. Why is zeal so important to me? to him the answer was in that passage we looked at the answer is because God himself is zealous why is zeal important because God is a zealous God change the Z with the J and what do you get jealous number of times in scripture it says that I yearn for you with jealousy I am a jealous God what he's saying is I'm a zealous God I feel deeply about you. I am passionate about you. My love for you is tangible. It's actionable. It is something that is real. It, that's my love for you, says the Lord. And that is what He looks for from us. Isaiah, when he prophesies about the coming Messiah, says this in Isaiah 59. He put on, can you read it?
He put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. We're speaking about the coming of Jesus. He wrapped himself in what? In zeal as a cloak, as in a cloak. <laughs> Man, if there, was, if there was one picture that we could really look at in the Gospels of Jesus, the one word that would describe him, it would be this word zeal. He was zealous for his Father in heaven. He wrapped himself in it. He was wrapped in zeal. I only do what I see my Father doing. I only say what I hear my Father saying. My food, my nourishment, my sustenance, my joy, my delight is to do the will of Him who sent me. Zealous. There is no greater picture of zeal other than what we see in Jesus. And his passion for his father's name, his passion for his father's kingdom, the passion to see his father's will done, to fulfill the purpose of God in his life. There is no greater example. When he made that whip and he drove those money changers out of the temple, that was zeal in action. That was a passion for God's house, for the name of God, for the purposes of God, for the kingdom of God, that manifested in outward expression made a whip and drove them out. The disciples were like, Yo. quiet, shocked, Jesus. And then they remembered Psalm 69 verse 9, which says, zeal for your house has consumed me. And the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. He took it so Personally, that people were insulting his father's house. That people were blaspheming the name of God. That he knew he had to stand up and say something about it. I love my wife. And I want to honor her this morning for her zeal. She teaches me a lot about zeal for God. When we were in a restaurant and there was a poster in the bathroom of a woman wearing nothing but a skimpy something that left nothing to the imagination. She ripped it off the wall and tore it up and gave it to the manager and says, I don't want that in here. That's my wife. When the same poster was up in CNA, she went straight to the manager and she says, that thing, is n this is a family store. What are you doing? They apologized. They took it down and never came back out again. Zeal for, the, for righteousness. Zeal for the passion of God. When people blaspheme in a movie, she walks out. When they say the name of Jesus as a swear word, she gets up. She walks out. She's like, I won't tolerate that. The insults of those who insult you have fallen upon me. People, I want you to know that your faith cannot be hidden. Jesus said, you are a city set on a hill, a light that cannot be hidden. So let your light shine before men. Or are you more fearful of man than you are of God? We need a fear shift in order to be zealous for the things of God. Amen. John Piper says the following. He says, don't settle for anything less. We exist to spread a passion for the supremacy of God. You can't spread what you don't have. Ask God for it in constant prayer. Ransack the word of God for wonders that make you boil for Christ. Go all out. Get it. If you've lost your zeal, church, I want to encourage you, go find it again. Ransack the word. Throw yourself in this fast. Throw yourself at his feet and say, Lord, light the fire again. Ransack the word. Find what you need so that you burn brightly for him again. It matters. It matters. Seek constantly in prayer for it if you cannot find it. So, I want to finish this morning by just, you know, 
some zeal busters this morning. Why, why, why is it that we, we lack zeal? And obviously because we're not spiritually fit. You know, that's the obvious answer. Spiritual fitness produces zeal. Um, but there's a lot of other reasons too that I really felt like I just wanted to highlight this morning. Number one is that sometimes we have too many masters. Too many masters. How many masters do you have? You know, zeal in the Greek, I told you, is used to describe metal that's been placed in the fire consistently to the point where it starts to burn and glow hot. Like that, that, that is what zeal is. It's like burning hotness, it's fervor. Um, if you know that, that if you keep moving that metal around, you're never going to see that metal heat up to that heat. You keep shifting that flame, you keep moving it here and around, jumping here and there, it's never going to get to that temperature. You know, in the same way, if we keep jumping around here and there to this master and that master, and we don't remain stayed on Christ, seeking first the kingdom of God, we'll never develop that zeal. Zeal comes with a focused flame at the expense of everything else. And we allow that flame to warm us, to penetrate us, to consume us until we glow like that flame. If, if we have all these masters and we don't have one master, we'll never develop that seal. You know, a lot of people, Jesus invited a lot of people to follow him. And um, can we just pray? Lord, thank you for a fresh fire in the house this morning. Blow through this place. Set us on fire again, Lord. Mm, burn up everything that is not of you, Dad. Holy Spirit, cleanse us and purify us this morning. Come, Holy Spirit. Shababos. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, there's some sort of transaction happening right now. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, that's what we came for, Dad. We didn't. We came for heaven just to open up over us this morning. Yes, Lord, more, more of Your Spirit, more of You, Lord. Yes, Dad. Yes, Dad. Let's have a, a repentance this morning. Bring your heart. Bring your heart before Him. Ba 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 ba. Realign with Him. Thank you, Lord. Jesus said, <clears throat> He said, you, you cannot have two masters. You'll either love one and hate the other. You can't serve God and, God and, God and something else. Now, many people He invited, He said, come follow me, come be my disciples. And many of them were like, yeah, sure. 
Jesus, I'm coming, but I first need to go bury my father, or I first need to go say goodbye to these people, or I've just bought some land, and I just need to go and attend to it, and I've just bought some ox, and I need to get, or Jesus, I've just been married, you know, and so just give me some time or whatever. And it's really interesting when you look at those examples that Jesus never says, you know what, champ, I know your heart. It's okay, bro. Like we all got stuff going on and you've got your stuff and I got my stuff. And so it's okay. You know, we just, it's all right. You know, no condemnation. (laughs) No, he's like, let the dead bury the dead and you follow me. He's like, if you put your hand to the plow and turn back, you're not worthy to be called. Not worthy of my kingdom. In other words, I'm not going to play second master to all your other little masters. I'm not going to like be number like one of your priorities amidst many other. All you yes, Jesus and I've got and I've got and I've got all this stuff going. I want to be the master in your life. I want to be number one in your life. And we cannot generate the zeal for God when, when you're so bound to all these other masters. And so we need to dethrone. Can you say dethrone? Some masters. What masters do you need to dethrone in your life so that you can have one master who's Jesus? And you know, this is why fasting is so important. Because in the, in the act of fasting, what we're doing is we are... We're, we're, we're shutting off our desire and our obedience to other masters. And we're putting our obedience back on Jesus. We're, it's a physic, fasting is a, is a physical action where, whereby we, we discipline our body and our heart, and our hearts get disciplined in the process. And when we have that, that when, the, when the, the stomach says, I just need a cookie, you know, chocolate chip or a burger or just something, you know, and we, we just say no to that master. And we turn our attention to Jesus and say, you're the master. When we, it's a process of fasting produces in us that obedience again to the one true master. It helps us in the moment to, to see how important it is to say no to the other must, to all those other things that knock on our door and ask for our attention and need us and, 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 and to say, Jesus, for you. Jesus, you're the one true master in my life again. Secondly, and then we'll close, is, is no delight. Too many masters. Which masters will you dethrone? Secondly this morning, why we lack zeal is because there's no delight. And, um, and this is one I just really felt this morning from the Lord, okay? So just open your heart to this. You know, we, we, have, we have zeal for what we enjoy, what we delight in. Amen? I mean, if you, you, you have zeal for your sports team, why? Because you enjoy watching them play. All right, so your enjoyment, you enjoy them, and so you have zeal for them. You, you go and buy your Adidas top, your, your Man U top, because you, you're zealous for your team, right? Because when, you, when you're there and you're watching them, you're enjoying them. We have zeal for our work because we enjoy I, using our skills. I enjoy going to work and using my gifts and using my talents. And, and, and then work pays us and that helps us, that, that makes it enjoyable as well as we get that paycheck or whatever it is and it, it pays all the bills and it allows us to live a lifestyle or something. And so, so we have zeal for our work. We have energy. We have passion and enthusiasm for our work. But isn't it amazing that when your team starts losing, your zeal, <laughs> decreases you just you know you don't enjoy watching them play because they're always losing in fact you don't even go to the stadium now to watch them because you just can't handle another loss so your zeal has decreased why because your enjoyment has decreased your delight has decreased when you go to work and you're not paid enough for what you do 
and you go to a place where your skills and gifts are not being used, how many of you know that you don't enjoy it? And when your joy for it dies up, your zeal for it dies up. Zeal and joy are are linked together, inextricably linked together. We can't be zealous for things we don't actually enjoy. And you cannot be zealous for God if you don't enjoy Him. If being with Him doesn't make you smile and refresh you and fill you and complete you, if being with God is boring and you're getting nothing from it, you will never be zealous for Him. You'll never be passionate for Him. John Piper says, God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in Him. And I like that. You know, when all your joy is in Him, when you are satisfied in God and you are delighting in the Lord, you become zealous for God and God is most glorified in your life. When you are satisfied in Him. You know, I think a lot of kids reject the faith and walk away from God when they get older because when they were growing up or when they were in church, they never saw their parents actually enjoy God. They never saw a church actually really enjoy prayer and enjoy Him, smile, and be refreshed and touch God and just come out feeling, yes, God is amazing. And so there's many other joys in this world. There's Xbox and there's, you know, all these other things that are very enjoyable. And they become very zealous for those things because they're not finding their joy in God. But what about you this morning? Is all your delight in Him? Or do you need to go back to, you need to find your joy in God again? Do you need to go find your, your smile in God and the things of God? You know, just because you're not maybe experiencing the joy of God doesn't necessarily mean that it's not available. You know, when we look at Scripture, we get these little windows into heaven in various passages, and what we see is incredible joy. What we see is is incredible life. We see a father who gives good gifts to his children. You know, we see this incredible picture of God, this incredible picture of heaven. And if we're not tapping into that party, doesn't mean that the party doesn't exist. Doesn't mean that it's not there. It means there's some sort of disconnect between me and the party. And what we need to do is find out what is that disconnect and get it back again. You know, when the, when the TV in the old days would go fuzzy, you didn't go phone SABC. You went and adjusted the aerial. And sometimes we need to make some adjustments. You know, we need to adjust our picture of grace. We need to adjust our picture of who God is. We need to adjust, uh, um, you know, maybe, maybe it's a sin issue. Maybe it's a lifestyle issue. Maybe there's something, there's something in between that's causing this picture to get fuzzy. But we make those adjustments so that we can find our joy in Him again. My encouragement to us this morning is go find your joy in God. Get rid of those masters. Find your joy in Him. Amen.